that shows up in a lot of the Christmas carols. It was included in the choir anthem that we sang this morning that is associated often with Christmas, but one that we probably still hold with some sense of confusion or a lack of understanding in terms of its meaning, and that word is the word holy. And it's interesting because this word, holy, has entered into our conversation on sort of a daily basis, but not in the way in which it was ever intended to mean. Holy cow. Holy camole. Holy crap. Here's a good one that I have really not, I mean, you really think about. Holy hell. A holy terror. Don't we use that word often in our, in our everyday language for different things that mean different things, but don't really mean the word itself in terms of how do we twist that around so much? So this morning I want to look a little bit about that because we use the word holy for other things too to describe people, uh, holy rollers, uh, holy man, holy mother. We use it for the Bible, the holy Bible. Holy marriage, holy baptism, holy land. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. So you see that it is frequently popping up in some of the things that we have that are going on. It's a word that's repeated three times in Scripture, oftentimes. We don't have love, 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 or mercy, 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 but we do have Holy, holy, holy in the Word of God. So I think we should look at that today and think about its meaning this morning. The word holy means to be set apart for a purpose. It means divine, sacred, worthy of worship, devout, pure, pious, saintly, godly. It also has the connotation of being whole, uninjured, complete, perfect, happiness, perfection. These are all words associated with trying to understand what the word holy means. But the truth of the matter is, there's not a single word that we have in our language that would fully describe this word holy that we would understand, all we can do is look at a few examples in the scripture that when people come in the presence of a holy God, their understanding of holy is is mind-blowing. It's beyond describing. And the only way we know how to understand this word holy is to see what the reaction is of people when they come into the presence of holiness. With a sense of awe, with a sense of fear, with a sense of unworthiness, it just transforms them. So we're going to go to our first scripture today. It comes from the Christmas story. It's about shepherds on a hillside. It comes from Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And let's read this through together. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So in this case, it talked about the fear, feeling of terror. I want you to think a little bit in your own lives, at what point in your life did you get struck with terror that frightened you so much that you shook, literally? You were so affected by what was happening to you or to someone that you love or care about that you were absolutely paralyzed by fear. And that's what happened to those shepherds out on that hillside when they got into the presence of the glory of the Lord. And the beauty of the message here is that the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yes, it is good for you to have a sense of fear and wonder and awe and terror in the presence of a holy God. But at the same time, God wants to be approachable to us. Remember in the Old Testament when Moses went to the burning bush, the bush that would not be consumed, and God said out of the burning bush to him, take off your shoes, sandals, whatever they was wearing, because you are on holy ground. This is a sacred when we walk into a sanctuary like we walked into today, we should have a sense of expectation and ignite a sense of excitement that we are walking into a gathering where we hope to experience and see the glory and the holiness of God. And it should strike us with a mixture of feelings and emotions if we really understand what it means and come into the presence of the worship of God. We have gotten to where we don't carry that sense of awe or fear or expectation with us. And when we just simply use the word holy cow, we don't even think about what we're saying in the terms of what we're talking about and how a word that is unlike any other word and probably the most descriptive word of who God is turns itself into common language in other ways. I find that to be quite interesting. Let's look at, uh, we said fear with the shepherds, respect with Moses, fear, respect. Now let's look at the experience of a man named Isaiah when he had an experience with God. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Let's read through this a bit. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two... They were flying. This is a vision. And the reason we look at Isaiah is because he wrote many of our prophecies related to the coming of Jesus. Above him were seraphs, 
uh, and they were calling to one another, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. So Isaiah, right here in this spot, was comprehending this and seeing this and looking at this. And, and he says, And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And this is what happened to Isaiah in the presence of the holiness of God. Because as he was looking at God, he was comprehending God, but in the presence of God, he began to comprehend himself. If we really, this is another part of understanding the holiness of God. When we look and compare ourselves to other people around us, we look pretty good. You know, it's like a white t-shirt. It gets washed several times, gets a little dingy, and we set it next to a really white t-shirt. This is the response of Isaiah into the holiness of God when he comprehended and saw God how he was, all of a sudden he saw himself in God's presence. And this is what he said. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So here is another example of God wants us to see him as holy. He wants in our presence to God to see ourselves as who we are. And then he comes and he ministers to us. We live rather flippant lives sometimes. Petty. Without conscience. Things begin to get seared and covered over. If we were to get back in touch with the holy God that we have that loves us and serves us, it would humble each and every one of us. It should bring each and every one of us to a place on our knees of, of, of a sense of lostness and a sense of despair to say, woe is me. And yet God then comes and he ministers to you. Where are you? in this journey with God. Do you still see him as a holy God, as one of the key attributes of who he is and have a sense of fear and a sense of respect and a sense of awe and are willing to come into confession before him and allow him to minister to you and touch you and humble you and change you and transform you? Or are you just sleepwalking through your life or are you just spending and wasting this one and only life you've been given on yourself, on flippant things? You don't see God as he is? If you were to do that, when we worship him and we see him in all of his glory and all of his splendor and all of his holiness, oh my goodness, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
amazing. Amazing. Well, <clears throat> that was their experience. Here's another thing for us to consider. 1 Peter 1, verses 15 and 16. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Wow. How do we do that? Be holy because I am holy. What does that look like for us to live a life marked by holiness ourselves? Let's look at Micah verse six, chapter 6, verse 8. Micah is one of the prophets of the Old Testament. And he says here what God asks of us. Have you ever thought, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want from me? What, what am I to apply myself toward? And in Micah, this is what it says. He has showed you, O man, what is good. Read this with me. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Let's leave that up there for a little bit. We're to act justly. That means we're to be fair-minded. And we're to seek fairness and to seek justice, not just for ourselves, but for other people. We are instruments, ambassadors of justice to be willing to dive into this world and right wrongs. Be willing to be used to hold up a standard of truth and justice and the American way, just like Superman, right? Truth, justice, and the American way. I, I don't know about the American way part. Truth and justice. There's an action. It says to act. And then it's, the next thing it says is to love mercy. What does it mean to love mercy? To love mercy is to be filled with kindness and compassion and steadfast love. We can't love mercy if we've been filled with bitterness and a sense of uh, anger and having been dealt with unjustly ourselves and carry grudges and harbor things against those that we love the most and carry those things that they've done wrong where they've harmed us, we get filled with a poison and a toxin within our soul. And you know what? That comes out towards others. What is, the, what is the nature of your heart and your spirit? Do you love mercy? Are you filled with that sense of compassion and kindness that perseveres and loves even the unlovely person that's out there? That's part of what it means to be holy as God is holy, does it not? Because doesn't God love us that way? He loves us in spite of our unloveliness. He is patient and kind and loving towards us in those ways. And he asks us to do the same thing. God loves, God acts justly. He wants us to do the same thing. Those things are the way that we treat others. And this third one is to walk humbly with your God. What does it mean to walk humbly with your God? 
It means that walking is a journey. It's something that we do every day, every step that we take, every place that we go, everything that we are, wherever our feet take us, it is taking ourselves in those places, and we walk with a sense of humility with God. People who are humble, not full of pride and arrogance, full of ourselves and our ambitions and our desires and our wants. We walk with humility before God, knowing that if it weren't for Him, forget it. He wants you to experience Him in His holiness and have a sense of fear, trepidation, awe, respect, bring you to confession and repentance, but for a purpose, so that he can restore you and lift you up. He doesn't want you to just be groveling on the ground and shaking. He wants you in that place so he can lift you up out of that place and you can be humble and you can walk humbly and know that you have a purpose because that's why he saved you. That's why he sent his son Jesus to us. That's how we can act and live in this way. We have an opportunity every day to make a choice how we're going to live and who we're going to live for. Every day, how we're going to live and who we're going to live for. When we come into this sanctuary, I, I hope that we have great sense of fellowship and family here but I also hope that we have great sense of awe and wonder. And we come into the presence of God with great joy and worship and love and expression towards him. And as we do that, this place is filled with his spirit, which is another thing, the Holy Spirit of God in this place. You are a temple of the Lord. So seven things, seven benefits of holiness. Here they are. I'm going to say them quickly and we're going to go to a closing. Holiness exposes our sin. It shatters our pride. It awakens our conscience. It redirects our will. It stirs our emotions. It prompts our obedience. And it ignites our worship. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so grateful that when we come into this place and we right now look and experience your holiness in this place, we're completely aware and as Moses prayed to see your glory, God told him, you know, you better hide yourself because when I come by, you're not going to be able to handle it. Lord, I pray that we would comprehend you and see you in that way and have a sense of awe and wonder in knowing that a God who is so holy would offer his very self to us. We thank you this Sunday before Christmas for your great love for your compassion and your kindness and your care.
We thank you for your forgiveness through your son, Jesus Christ. We ask, Lord, that by looking at you, we will become more like you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I really look forward to Christmas Eve in here. As you know, this place just fills right up all over the place. When we close our service today, uh, Rachel's already said that the King's kids will be brought here for a practice. Also, we're going to need some help because we bring all the chairs upstairs. We take tables down. We have to redo this sanctuary a bit to get ready. Our theme this year for Christmas Eve is when love was born. And it is going to be a magnificent service in here on Tuesday night where this community gathers together to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And you will be a part of that experience in welcoming this community to our our sanctuary so we're going to have a celebration in here just in the the night after i mean it's really here the day after tomorrow right christmas eve and uh as dan said as we started making that balance i want you to meditate a bit on the word holy And I want you to think about it every time we sing the word holy in our songs during this Christmas season and even on Christmas Eve night. Holy, every place you hear that word, it should should bring a a sense of imagery to you, a a chill, a, a sense of magnificence. Don't just run through that word anymore in your life. And be careful about how you use it in everyday language because I think it, it, it diminishes and demeans God even when we say something as simple as holy cow. And I've been as guilty about that. I did it, I did it on Friday. I said holy camoli to somebody. Because two preachers were up there, three preachers were up there skiing together and the guy looked at all three of us and he goes, whoa! I said, I know, holy camoli, right? So, anyway, we're going to stand and sing together. Closing song, Christmas Carol, Away in a Manger.
morning. We'll just gather around the circle here quickly. We have some people in from out of town that are fun to see that don't usually get to be with us. Um, so come on in. I want you to get a good look at these two cute little girls next to me today. They're like twins. Look at their outfits. You know, it's pretty cute. They even have the brown boots and everything on together. That wasn't even planned, so it's great. You girls look great today. And their red faces go along with their purple dresses. What's that? Yeah, well, that's my fault. I know. Um, all right. Uh, Julie Klug is here, and... Um, there's a banner for you in the entryway. I think you saw it, but uh, she is hosting and organizing and coordinating a meal here on Christmas Day. Uh, and so there was an insert in the bulletin about that, and I want you to pay special attention to that. Uh, read through it. And Julie, raise your hand over there. That's Julie and Terry and the family are going to all be serving food here for Christmas Day from uh, 11 to... 1130 to 2. Yeah, and thank you for organizing that. It's going to be great. It'll be here, right here at the downstairs of the church. So thank you for doing that. Um, other announcements, joys, or concerns this morning? Yes, John. <laughs> that would be Patrick Jordan for all of you who wonder about that. All right. We should go line up in front of Patrick and embarrass, and embarrass him too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, other comments, concerns, joys. All right. Um, thank you all. And look at all the people here. Sarah, you're scratching your head, but you got your brother here with you. I know that's great. And some friends, so... Good to see you guys. And Natalie, good to see you too. And uh, the Houstons have a crew here. We have so many. And Anne's holding the grandbaby. Yay! Yes. In case I didn't see that, I was like, look at this. Anyway, don't you love this time of year when people gather together and it's fun to see everybody here. So thank you for being here today. Um, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace today and forever. Amen. All right. Let's uh, say goodbye. Hello to everybody. Shake your hands. Give a hug. Thank you.